Simply, I needed a job. That was pretty much it. Uh, I, I graduated from college with an English degree, uh, which basically qualified me to do nothing. And uh, I had and just after applying for like copywriting gigs for like nine months, you know, I was trying to do some, I was doing a fancy sports writing, which was not really paying the bills, but it was fun. I thought that I would get into that at some point. But uh, yeah, after nine months, um, I had no luck. And my, my family owns a preschool and daycare. And we were uh, doing some, doing marketing through a, a pretty large marketing company. And um, our, our marketing rep, was like, well, yeah, there's a there's a new kind of product that we're or service that we're launching. Um, we're looking for a lot of entry level people. Uh, you should definitely apply for it. You'd be great at it, but you got to move to Texas. And so I said, what you know, what the heck? And so I applied. It was the only job I got. And so I packed up my car with my little hunt, Nissan Sentra with all of my my stuff and moved to Texas. Welcome to the Voyage Dallas podcast, where we interview some of the brightest and most interesting entrepreneurs, artists, and creatives from in and around the Dallas-Fort Worth area and ask them about their lives, careers, and the values and principles that drive them. I'm Alex Freeman, and on the show today, you'll meet Lane Rizzardini, owner of Marion Relationship Marketing, a digital marketing firm in Dallas. Lane is also a Voyage content partner. Content partners help Voyage in so many ways, from spreading the word about the work that we do, sponsoring our mission, and collaborating with us on content like this. In our conversation, Lane will touch on his journey to becoming an entrepreneur. While his family owned a business while he was growing up, he did not have an entrepreneurial bent initially, but now he finds himself running a digital marketing firm. His journey to that point is one that I find fascinating and that I think a lot of folks will relate to. Lane, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you now you now call Texas home, but you're originally from Chicago. What brought you to Texas? Simply, I needed a job. <laughs> uh, that was pretty much it. Uh, I, I graduated from college with an English degree, uh, which basically qualified me to do nothing. And uh, I had and just after applying for like copywriting gigs. Um, for like nine months, you know, I was trying to do some, I was doing a fancy sports writing, uh, which was not really paying the bills, but it was fun. I thought that I would get into that at some point, but uh, yeah, after nine months, um, I had no luck and my, my family owns a preschool and daycare and we were, uh, doing some, doing marketing through a, a pretty large marketing company and, um, our, our marketing rep was like, well, yeah, there's a, there's a new kind of product that we're or service that we're launching. Um, we're looking for a lot of entry level people. Uh, you should definitely apply for it. You'd be great at it. Uh, but you got to move to Texas. And so I said, what, you know, what the heck? And so I applied. It was the only job I got. And so I packed up my car with my little hunt Nissan Sentra with all of my, my stuff and moved to Texas. Um, didn't know anybody. I'd never really been to Dallas. Uh, before, but um, was really thankful uh, and just blessed. I'm really thankful, and I was blessed to meet like a lot of my now best friends, um, mm. including my now business partner uh, with, with me at at Marion um, at, at our my first at my first job there. 
you know, moving from Chicago to Dallas is not exactly uh, Ren McCormick from Footloose moving from Chicago to Beaumont. But uh, what was the what was the culture shift for you coming coming from from Chicago to Dallas? So you know, what's, you know what's funny? I expected there to be a big culture shift. I expected so I had never again really never been to Texas. So I expected to show up and people to be like wearing cowboy hats <laughs> and like riding horses. And but later I found out that like oh wait that that's Fort Worth. Not Dallas, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't all that different. And like, I, it was like all the people I ended up surrounding myself were mostly other like Northern transplants. Hmm. So guys from Ohio and Michigan and Idaho and Pennsylvania, uh, all everyone that had, you know, Texas is booming. And so we all kind of moved down for, for our first first or second jobs, uh, out of, out of college. So, I mean, re- I mean, really it, it wasn't, and Dallas is such a good, a new feeling like up and coming, not even up and coming. It's one of the biggest markets in the country. It just is a very new city. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so uh, it's very, very modern. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so it really wasn't that really that big of a, a, a shift, um, other than the weather, you know, I, I'm getting you, I had to get used to the, hundred degree heat, but honestly, I'll, I'll trade that for the cold any day. Yeah. That's, that's, that was maybe the biggest shift, but that's been a good one. Yeah. That definitely seems like a, a shift for the positive. You, you mentioned your, your family's daycare. So you're from a family of, of entrepreneurs and business owners, and you're now obviously an entrepreneur yourself. Did you, did you always see that as your path? Absolutely not. I had never, occurred to me at any point until i mean maybe how long has it been now like six years ago it started to occur to me that i I had i I had the skills to to do my own thing um again i i I thought my first year in college i was going to be a uh, an english teacher like that's how non-entrepreneurial i felt uh in my early on in my in my life and uh, but so in my first, my first job, I, I, you know, I kind of expected to go back to writing or, or do something, something else, but, um, marketing really drew me in and specifically working with, working with people like my, like my mom, like my grandmother and really building those relationships and, and knowing that what I was doing meant more to them than just, you know, growth numbers on a PNL. Right. Like more than just like making shareholders happy. It was it was helping them put, you know, put their kids like me through college. Uh, it was like feeding their kids, taking like an extra vacation a year. Um, it was, you know, they had put their their reputations uh, into their business. And so it, it just meant more. Mm. And uh, so I, that's what really kept drew, drove me and kept me wanting to learn and get better and and broaden my skill set. And so I like to say that at my first job, I really learned how just how to be a professional, uh, how to follow, how to, how to talk to clients, how to be proactive about follow up, how to give them what they want beyond just like what's on the, the statement of work, um, how to be a good, how to be servant minded, uh, how to be you know, a proactive problem solver. Those are, those are big uh, values we, we have here uh, now, having kind of working backwards and realizing like, okay, what's been, what's really been impactful is like, oh wait, you you really got to know, you got to not only know, but you got to like want to go and like learn how to do something just by Googling it. That takes more, that takes more bravery than I I ever thought it, it, 
it did. Um, not everyone is like willing to do that. Luckily, we have we have people on our team that that do now, and and I was always like that, and my partner's always like that, and especially working at a small company, uh, which I've you know my company currently is, is not that big. There's about five of us. Uh, my last company was four when I got there, and so you really got to be willing to like grab an oar uh, if everyone needs to grab an oar. Um, mm. You can't really stay in your your little. Now you only told me I need to do this kind of uh, mindset. You really got to be able to do really willing to do the extras and, and figure some things out. And so yeah, the first job, I feel like I, I learned how to be like a professional, like I said, communicator, communicate well and be a marketer, right? Like understand, like I learned Google ads there. Um, I learned social media. I learned content, learned SEO, um, all the kind of ways to like help businesses um, where we come from, like my partner and I come from like an implementation background. We're not salespeople, uh, by trade, we are not like just account managers by trade. Though we were, we learned how to do account management. Like we were, we were putting metadata into websites. We were building Google Ads campaigns. You know, building Facebook. You know, Facebook pages. Um, we know how to do the work. Uh, in my second job, I learned how to, how to run a business. Uh, I was the fourth employee, and so I was brought into being a kind of an account manager that really knew Google ads and it became clear that he needed a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And so I learned, I taught myself operations, uh, like how to automate stuff, how to like process stuff out, how to build checklists, um, how to onboard new employees, uh, how to hire them, uh, how to manage them, how to give them processes that are like regular and, and can kind of guarantee a, a minimum level of like, performance and, and client service, well, client service. Uh, like they're going to get the, you're going to get an email every week or every month. You're going to have the same numbers. You're going to know what they are, like kind of same visibility, that, that sort of thing. How to set up the client experience was a lot of what I learned at, at my second company. And, uh, you know, we grew from four people to 14 people. Um, uh-huh. we were an in 5,000 fastest growing company a few times. Uh, that was really exciting for me and really, um, really valuable. I, I'm, I was so blessed to have worked there to be allowed to do things that were way above my resume level um, and, and pay grade uh, when I started. And I was just lucky to be able to have the reins uh, and the flexibility and the freedom to, to do those things. Cause that's really what I, what I, at one point I realized that I could, okay, like I can do this. I, I, I can do this kind of thing myself. I see how much money you can make doing it. I can see how rewarding it is, but you know, I, I, you know, at some point when you come, a big, uh, you know, law, professional long enough in the industry, you start to have your own way of wanting to, to do things. Um, not even that, you know, how your current company is, is doing it badly um, or wrong in any way. Just, I was like, you know, I think there's a model that I would like better. There's a level of relationship I want to have with my clients uh, that's deeper. I just have a different business model in mind that I, I really wanted to, to go after and try and, Ways I saw the market uh, with digital marketing and how I saw that changing um, that I, th- I thought, you know, I really want to kind of pursue a, a different way of doing things. So um, at some point, it just becomes too hard to ignore. Uh, and so that's that's I think is about the time. That's a long answer uh, to kind of tell you, like, what changed and um, how, I, how I got to where I am now. And and what is that that shift from being someone who is not necessarily entrepreneurially inclined 
uh, going from, okay, well, here I am working at this company. I've got maybe this level of a certain level of discontent, not that they're doing anything wrong, but that there's, as you said, a certain way that like you would like to do things, a different type of model to taking that leap. What does that shift? I mean, even just emotionally, what, what is that shift to take that risk? I mean, it's terrifying. So the initial instinct uh, is to, you know, you want to keep your paycheck. Um, and so you start, you know, this is internet. So like, you don't really need much. You know, at one point, I think I, I tried to start a like, I had this idea to start like a multifamily like recycling company. And I did all this research and I, I even called like the city of Austin and, and there was a, there, there's definitely a opportunity there, but then it's like, okay, now I got to buy trucks. I got to get like a business loan. I have to do things that are outside my comfort zone that kind of shut down but with internet. I mean, with, with marketing, the hard part about marketing is that there's a, from my say, there's a, there's a the easy part. And the hardest part about it is that there's a low barrier to entry. And so there is a lot of me's. And so differentiating yourself, that's a whole other topic. But, um, you know, I'm working from home. I can run Google ads for somebody on the side and like no one's ever really going to know about it. Um, that's the, the instinct. And that's the thing that you want to do. And that's, that's kind of what I did. And the best thing that ever happened to me was I got caught. Mm. And uh, my bosses kind of found out and uh, we... You know, that was obviously a really, a really tough conversation. They wanted to make sure that I wasn't like poaching clients or anything. And no, none of that was, was happening. It, it really kind of started accidentally where I was like moonlighting for another agency and, and started doing some other stuff. And thankfully, my, um, my employers were uh, also guys that had started an agency on the side from their other agency. <laughs> and so they were like, okay, this is bad, but... I can't get that mad at you because I get it. And so we were able to have a really honest conversation about kind of our future together. And the idea was like, you know, look, we're, you know, you got to go. You can't, you know, knowing that you're doing this, we can't keep you here. And then really you got to do, you got to go and try this yourself. So I had to kind of cut the safety net. Uh, I was forced to. And I think for a lot of people, it's really hard to cut that safety net of a, of a, a paycheck. And I think that like some people can, can do it. They can slowly replace their paycheck uh, with their side gig and their side hustle and then, and then move into their side hustle and have it be this very neat and tidy um, thing. And I don't think that is the reality. I think most of us will get right up into the boundary line before it gets too scary, and then we'll retreat, retreat back to the safety of our, our existing paycheck and our existing, our existing job. And so I think if you really want to go for it and you really want to try your own thing, I, you know, figure out what, don't do it. It's not, not saying do it recklessly. My wife and I sat down, we figured out how much we had in savings, we figured out what our expenses were. We got an understanding of, okay, our runway is about five to six months, uh, assuming no disasters. And so I got to basically replace my salary in five to six months. And uh, that's the runway. And so that's it. But like, you got to cut, you cut the cord and you go and do it. And you put all your time and your effort and your thought into it. And that's, you know, I think it was like a month, like five and a half <laughs> that, that I ended up getting enough income, enough clients to make it, make it work. And 
I even forget your question at this point, but yeah, that, that was, that was kind of the, the process and it was, it was pretty scary for a while, but I was lucky to have a supportive network of, of, uh, of, of clients and my wife and friends, um, that, that allowed it to, to happen. I want to uh, shift our conversation just a little bit into kind of more about, about Marion relationship marketing. Uh, you know, the, the term, Digital marketing feels like one of those nebulous terms that's almost lost meaning at this point because um, it can mean so many different things to to different people. So, can you tell us a little bit more specifically about the way your firm approaches marketing for your clients? Absolutely. My so my my vision coming out of this and what I kind of saw with the market is that um, the world is increasingly fragmented, uh, and people don't just no one buys in silos. So like no one just Googles for information. No one just lives on Instagram. No one just reads newspapers. No one just asks friends for recommendations. The stat is the stat that I always throw out is that people use about five to seven average touch points with a business before deciding to, deciding to uh, choose them to do business with. We have so much access to information now with the internet and people use it. And there's also more information out there than ever before. There's more platforms where like the information can live. And so for us, like I identify that the the biggest challenge that local businesses have is just managing this ecosystem of information that exists mm. now. Mm. You know, yeah, you used to like basically have to manage the yellow pages and that's it. And now it's like, okay, I got... Google, my business is obviously the big boy in the room, but like, okay, I got a Yelp listening. I got Bing. I have Apple Maps now. I have House. If I'm a doctor, I have like 10 other listings. If I'm an attorney, I have like 25 other listings. And just like, how do you keep track of that while like running your business um, and also serving clients? And uh, how do you like know what thing is working and what's not? Um, how do you know which advertising platform to use and whether that's working? Um, it's just, there's just so much stuff and there's really no, to me, there's no really no, there's no one best way to, to do it. Like Google ads works. I love Google ads. I've been doing Google ads for eight, nine years. It's the reason Google's a trillion dollar company is that Google ads is maybe the best like intent marketing platform out there. If you're a, if you're a, if you're a roofer and you want to show up for people looking for a roofer, you probably want to have an ad show up for roofer people searching for roofers near me. It doesn't really get more targeted than that. But but like it doesn't work for everybody as well. Like some people need we talked to a um a clothing boutique today and they're a very visual business. Like they should probably do Facebook ads. Um they need you to do email marketing uh, to get people to come back. Uh, and so I I don't think there's ever a there's not really a one fits uh one fit approach. And so I didn't want to build a one fit approach business. I didn't want to be a Google ads shop or a, uh, a website shop, a um, email marketing or just social media. Cause that doesn't serve clients. Well, it just doesn't serve clients. Uh, at least the type of clients that I work with. Um, they need someone that can, that can help them manage their marketing holistically, like whatever that means. Um, they don't know what it means. Uh, and so it's, so they want someone to come in and help them figure out like, what is the right fit, uh, for them, for their budget that is going to help them grow their business, uh, and give them the, the life 
that they want uh, as a business owner. And that's, again, that's different for a lot of people. Some people want to like get out of the business and chill on a beach and let other people run the business. Other people want to like grow 10x and have 25 locations. Um, we want to really help and be that cons- give that consultatory approach to clients um, to, to help them kind of achieve whatever goal that is. And so that's why we, um, we really started with uh, foundational marketing. Um, it's something that we've, we, we've kind of, it's, it's our, it's our, it's our core service offering um, that really encompasses all of those little details for local service businesses to help them like, you know, transparency into their marketing, know what's working and what's not kind of robust reporting, call tracking, understanding, Hey, if you're running Google ads and Facebook ads, like is one working and one's not, well, maybe we shouldn't do the one that's not working anymore and just do the Google ads. Like those are the conversations I have with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows us to get more out of whatever marketing they're work- they're doing. So we're going to make sure the reputation is in order. All their business information is correct. So that no matter how someone hears about them, when they go and Google their business name, which everyone always does, um, <laughs> they're going to want to choose to work with them. Um, so they can run radio. Everything they do is going to work better. Uh, and three just gives them more time back into their business um, so they can, they don't have to worry about, they don't have to learn GA4 now. They don't have to learn whatever Facebook thing just happened. Um, they can focus on uh, serving clients uh, and spend less time trying to find clients uh, because they have a a marketing team in their you know in their corner that's that's going to be there to help them with whatever change is coming into the market. Incredible. And so, how does that? Um, you, know, you mentioned radio and you mentioned television. One of the things that I know that in in the digital world, you know, everybody loves various click numbers. All these there's this wealth of data. How do you use data to to help? Do that to do that analysis with, with clients when not all the types of marketing have the same type of data. Yeah, g- great question. For especially for so offline is obviously it's always the biggest challenge with offline is how do you know if it's working or, or driving clients? You know it, you know, you know based on DMA data, it got a certain number of of eyes or ears or whatever. Um, so what we help our clients with is that we always say that any marketing can work. Let's at least track it and find out. And so when our clients want to do, they come to us, say, hey, we're doing a mailer or we're doing a newspaper ad in this area. Um, We give them a tracking. We give them a tracking phone number for it. Um, We give them, a lot of times we'll give them like a vanity URL that will redirect to some sort of like UTM, like tracking string. And so we can always track how many phone calls someone calls off the ad um, or if someone visits the website later via the, the URL on the ad, we can at least get some sort of baseline on did this drive any sort of traffic or leads? And we tend to preach with our clients, especially with kind of you know, newspaper, radio, mailer, TV ad, those are those are visibility, the top level like visibility and awareness type advertising mediums, which are really important. You don't have to make, whereas like Google ads is really down funnel. Um, Google My Business is really down funnel. You're going to have be able to attribute a lot of leads to it. Um, but like brand awareness uh, is like the number two reason why people click Google ads. So again, 
it all works together. They're not like, it's all part of one ecosystem and one customer journey. Um, our goal with kind of those visibility or kind of like offline marketing mediums, hey, let's track how much traffic this is getting. Let's track, see if we can track enough leads to break even on this, knowing that there's a lot of kind of the invisible hand of like branding and awareness that's going to influence your other marketing mediums um, and rate and boost their value. So like I may not see the value of the TV ads um, direct from the TV ads, but over the next six months, I am expecting in, in, in our Google analytics data to see, okay, there should be an overall lift in direct traffic and in organic traffic. Um, our click-through rates in our Google ads should, should increase a little bit. Um, our overall conversion rates across like site wide should increase a little bit based on the amount of uh, awareness that we're getting from the TV. Uh, and so it, we're, and those are like, those are the types of conversations that we're trying to have with our, our clients. And what really is the kind of the, the whole, the whole business model is, is built around is being able to, to give them that. And so a lot of times those are done through like, we do like video reviews for clients. We don't like type things out. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of times we'll, we'll get on a, um, I use like Vidyard, a lot of people use Loom and we just go, we make sure we want, we want our clients to see our faces, hear our voices. Um, you know, we got to give some context to these numbers. And so our team spends a lot of time doing that for, for clients and making sure that, okay, like I got 25 leads. Um, well, usually they got a hundred phone calls. We listen to all of them, tell them that they actually got 25 good leads and kind of go walk through like how that, you know, how they got there, um, what we're seeing, what changes, what improvements we made. Um, if we're struggling, why are we struggling and what we're going to do to, to fix it? And so we're, you know, our, our, our kind of tagline is it's about people. And the point of that is that it's, you know, this isn't a transactional relationship. You know, I'm, you know, you're not going to get, we have a salesperson. Um, but we also have a digital strategist that is there to be your dedicated person. Um, you're not just going to get a, you know, report with a bunch of numbers on it that you're going to have to figure out, uh, every month. Like we want someone is going to be there to kind of explain it to you, um, kind of humanize everything for you. Um, talk about the different names of customers that you're getting and how they got to you and, um, relate it back to your goals and really be your, your partner in, in growing the business. And uh, so, I mean, so that's how we're, um, I, I guess, trying to humanize, uh, you know, the kind of the whole marketing agency experience and, and really help clients. It, you know, like I said, we, we you go back to your question, like we, we talk, it's, all, it's about the numbers at the end of the day. It's all, it's all we really have to go over, but it's, it's more than that. It's adding context and humanity to those numbers that um, is what's really the most important to our conversations. I just want to talk about uh, your your kind of typical work day. You know, you you work from home, which if we'd done this interview three years ago, would maybe be a pretty unique thing that you were doing. But obviously, in the pandemic, many people have started experiencing working from home. You've been at it for seven years or so at this point. Um, how does that yeah. impact what your workday looks like? And how did that shift during the pandemic? Yeah, so as you said, I, I was working from home before. It was cool. Uh, my last company didn't have an office either. And uh, 
you know, yeah, back then it was kind of a like weird thing. I have, it impacts, I would answer your question directly. It impacts my work day in every way that is outside of my work. I'm able to spend, you know, when I started working home, I didn't have a family. Uh, now I have two children. It allows me to like wake up with them every day and give them, feed them breakfast and uh, to play a little bit before getting into work still at, at 8 a.m. sharp. Um, cause I don't have a commute. I don't need to get dressed or, or even showered right away. Uh, I can like settle in, you know, there's no commute. I mean, I save two hours of my life and those are like hours of my life that I'm able to put into my family. Um, it's more time that I have for, for like for exercise. Uh, I'm able to, I, I do a workout at lunch every day. I have the flexibility to, to do that. Uh, I don't think I would really I didn't have that much flexibility at, at the office, or at least most people don't really have the flexibility to do that uh, from an office standpoint. Yeah. And, and even like, it just gives me more, even within the work, it gives me more time and brain space for work because I'm not worried about what I'm making for lunch that day. I'm not, you know, having to fight traffic to get into work. Like I can, you know, I'm not trying to get out before traffic hits. Like if I need to invest some more time until six, like I don't mind doing that because I'm like at home. I can grab a beer out of the fridge at like four on Friday and like, that's great. I can wind down my day. And I just think it, it gives me so much more bandwidth and energy to really to do better work. Now, of course it, it is, I will admit it is harder to unplug because the desk is always there. Um, but I, I have always loved my work. Uh, I don't really mind, um, especially now that I, I own the business, like you're not, it's hard to unplug just based on that. I, so I don't really mind the whole, I know people have some trouble like kind of separating the work from the life. I don't really mind that too much. Um, just cause I've always, I always loved it. I always loved it. So really the only thing it's the only, the only thing that shifted during the pandemic, um, was video calls pre pandemic, even working from home. Like I didn't really ever do video calls with people. Uh, we just kind of did phone calls <laughs> and, um, now, yeah, now and then, and then everyone else are working from home and everyone is each other's faces. So like now Zoom is a thing and, and video calls are definitely more of a uh, are now the absolute norm. And, and that really was not the case pre pandemic, um, which like I like it. I mean, just I just have, I just have to put on a polo now before meetings. <laughs> that's uh-huh. that's that's the biggest shift is I have like I have a polo shirt like folded up next to me on the desk. And if I get on a call, I, I throw that on so I can look at least somewhat professional on meetings. So that's really it. What holds you back? I, I think lack of routine. I, I find that I am very, I'm extremely routine oriented. I'm very scheduled. I, I really have to do the same. I'm very habit based. I have to be able to do the same things prepare myself for the day and, and be my best worker, man, husband, father. If I ever get out of that and having a three month, a four month old now doesn't really give you much routine. Uh, it, it's harder. That, that's where I kind of get um, held back at times, right? I just, I struggle sometimes when I'm able, when I, when I get out of my routine. Generally in, in business, uh, what's holding us back selfishness, selfishness, I think with my time, um, and kind of willingness, uh, and 
effort into like working hard uh, to train members of my team. What has, what has really been successful for us is when we spend a lot of time like building standard operating procedures uh, and not just like, not, not just like here, kind of go do this, like go listen to phone calls uh, and rate them. Like, no, like putting in the time and effort and, and training to go over like what is a lead for a client and what is not. Um, videoing how I do things for people, um, going that extra mile to like document in very specific detail, like here's how we need this done, and, and kind of, but then and then that that's, that's for other like kind of more standard positions, but um, for kind of like our our strategist position and um, you know Google Ads and and sales and that sort of thing, like you can't get lazy about putting in that feedback time. You can't get lazy about doing it. You may do. We do, we try to do three month reviews with every, uh, employee and like at around month, around the third or fourth one, you start to think, yeah, this is, he's doing great. Like I don't have to do these anymore, but then you end up kind of things lapse a little bit. And then the feedback becomes really surprising when it's not all positive. And so, um, you really can't, you can't get lazy or selfish about your time. You really have to continue to put in like the feedback give them the feedback loops and put in the effort to take those to the notes and, and share and spend time with your team members to, to help them grow, you know, and become, you know, the professionals that, that you want to, that you want them to be. I think that's uh, a really powerful piece of advice. So just thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And then uh, my last question here for you is, is what propels you forward? Yeah. I think it's um, what we're really, so I, what I'm really excited about is I, I like to think of our, I've started to think of our business, uh, a marketing agency as being kind of a, a revenue generation engine. That's really the job. We're not a profit generation engine. <laughs> that's, that's our client's job. Uh, we're not an operations team. Um, we are our job. We're not a, we're not a branding and awareness company either. Like we are here to drive we rate everything we do on, on, on how much revenue are we driving uh, in, in lead value. And so we, we always ask our clients in our meetings, um, how much is a client worth to you? Not because we want to upsell them on something, but because in our reporting, I want to put, I put how much they've spent on marketing and then they have the, to- the lead total. And then the lead total is multiplied by how much they told us that a lead is worth to them. Because we don't just want them to see marketing as a cost. We need it to be seen as a, this is a net revenue driver. And so when you, we start to think of our business as a, I'm really excited about building kind of a, you know, what is a self-fueling revenue generation engine look like? Where like, I'm not kind of moving the pistons, right? Like, what does it look like to build a team, a, a team with that's so talented that I can just plug in any like local service business into it and it will grow that business's revenue. You know, like what does that look like to have, you know, to be able to take um, people and plug them into a, a process and a system um, that will just generate value um, without really having to, you know, it doesn't, it can't happen every time, but um, that happens almost without fail. Uh, like we're going to make you money. That's a really exciting concept. And so that's really what propels me forward to really try to build that and, mm. and end up with this kind of like, like a physical engine that I can drop into any, you know, business chassis uh, and have it, you know, go 200 miles an hour. Um, that's a really cool concept, uh, I, I think. And so that's what's really propelling me forward. 
more more of a vulnerable answer to that. I think I mean it, it, fear of failure uh, definitely propels me you know forward. I think I, you know, I think about this in the lot as I understand. I think becoming a business owner has really helped as a business owner that works with other business owners. It has helped me understand my clients a lot better um, and how, what value I, I provide. And that's like being a business owner is a, is an, is an, is a very strong core identity for a lot of people. Um, and you can say it's about your family and you can say uh, it's about um, your, your, whatever else, but like if you're a business owner, like that is a part of who you are. And that is a core, like that's like the top three thing you're going to tell someone mostly because like you put so much work and effort and your values are stamped on this thing. Um, it is your, it is your baby. You spend, you spend eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day with it. Um, and, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of like your own self-worth is, is tied up in that. Uh, and so we've actually shifted our marketing, our personal marketing a little bit towards like, Hey, we're, yeah, we're going to drive you revenue, but Hey, like we're, we want to build, help you build a business that you're proud of. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that's really, uh, if it's on our website now, it's like, you've worked hard to build a great business. We're here to, t- we're here to tell, gosh, what is it? We're here to build a great, you've built a great business. We work hard to make sure people know it. Like that's the tagline now that I, I really, uh, enjoy. And so back to the point of like failure is so like real, right? Like when you're telling people that, Hey, I own a business and it's really great. And like, yeah, we're really good at like marketing and stuff. The idea that like you have to go back to them in six months and say like, yeah, I, 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 I wrapped up shop, um, is scary. Uh, you know, you're, you, and now we have employees, right? So it's the skin in the game and kind of the, the, the consequences of, of success or failure continue to, the stakes rise uh, a lot. And so there's just no way to be lazy when like that's looming over your head. Hmm. And uh, so as much as like fear of failure sounds kind of, kind of negative, I, I think it's, it's, it's something you can definitely use to, to get to the desk when you're tired um, to really push through those end couple hours of the day, knowing that like, Hey, I need to do this. Cause like my, you know, my partner relies on me. Um, my, you know, my team relies on me to get this done. My clients rely on me. Um, if I fold up, they got to go, what are they going to do? Um, that's, uh, so I think that's a big, that's a, that's a big driver too, whether like it or not. Um, I think that's an important thing to acknowledge, um, and embrace cause, um, it's not going anywhere. It's going to be there. And so you might as well just use it for your benefit rather than let it be a, a boogeyman. Lane, I, I just want to thank you again for, for coming on the show. But uh, before before we go, I want to give you a, a chance to just plug where where our listeners can find you and uh, Marion Relationship Marketing. Yeah. Um, thanks, Alex. It's uh, MarionRelationshipMarketing.com. Yeah, you know, we got all the same, all the right, you know, we got social media, obviously. Facebook um, is really probably the big one and LinkedIn where we're sharing content. Uh, we have a guide uh, on our website called three reasons your marketing sucks. It's kind of attention grabbing, but, uh, it should help go download it. It it should help you figure out kind of, Hey, I don't know why my marketing's not working. Um, here are some things to look at. And the secret is like, sometimes it's not always your marketing. So it's a good thing to check out. Uh, if you're kind of think you're like, 
man, I'm doing all the right things. Like what's going on here? Why can't, why have I gone through three or four marketing companies and I can't seem to get any of them to, to, to get it right. Um, it, it may help point you in the right direction of kind of, Hey, what do I, what do I need to do to, to get this right so that I can, um, focus on growing my business. Awesome. Well, thanks Lane. And we look forward to continuing to check in with you as the years unfold. Thanks Alex. Appreciate the opportunity to, to come on.